0: Welcome to the Fan's special behind-the-scenes podcast at the Memorial Tournament. I'm Scotty Vegas, and you'll hear from 10 different fan personalities. I told each one of them they have two minutes to tell a great story associated with Muirfield Village and the Memorial Tournament. You won't want to miss these. Most are stories that have never been told on air. Let's kick things off with Bo Bishop from Bishop and Friends about hitting a
1: celebrity's house. Bo? So one of the privileges of... Being able to cover this event for so long was the ability to play in the media outing, uh, which happens usually a couple of weeks before the tournament. Um, so I played in it I don't know, a half dozen times. And always it was always a mix of looking forward to it and completely terrified, because I suck at golf. Um, and this was the last year that I played in it. And I was playing with uh, Dom, and I was playing with Paul Spahn, who's a longtime sports director at Channel 10. And we had a group uh, of, of guys who were going to go out there. And at the last minute, I was feeling pretty good on the range and pretty decent um, for me at least at, at my best bogey golfer. So out here, you know, if I if I could break a hundred, it felt like a win, um, but I never had before. But was feeling good. And so right before we went to uh, go tee off, they switched our pro that we were playing with. It's three media guys, and then you play with a pro uh, or a member out here, not a pro from the PGA Tour, but a, a member out here or somebody who is connected to the tournament. So the guy that we got picked to play with was a guy you maybe heard of named Jack Nicholas jr. So now I went from, well, this will be a lot of fun to, Oh my God, terrifying. Like this guy's on the bag in 86. Like I'm going to go play his dad's course with him. Like, and I, I knew known Jack jr. A little bit, but not to the point where I was certainly comfortable, like showing my game off to him. So all I'm thinking is, I hit iron off the first tee because I don't want to hit a house, which is really hard out here. Um, And it went down the fairway, and I was like, okay, way to go. And amazingly enough, first four holes went bogey, par, par, bogey. So I was two over through four, and I felt like king of the world. On five, Dom and I both hit it right, big dog leg right. We both hit it right into the trees. My view of this was who gives a damn? I don't care. I'll take a drop. Nobody cares. Keep it moving. Dom's view was, i got to find my ball. If I don't, they're going to think I'm cheating. So we're up there in the woods looking for a ball. Jack Nicholas Jr. yells back at us. Hey, guys, move it along. Let's move it along. Let's keep it moving. Completely unnerved me. I did not hit another good shot. Could not get off the tee box. Did not hit another good shot until 9.00. And I played nine, and I, I got a bogey on nine and was feeling pretty good about things. I thought, okay, Jack Jr., he was really, really great. Like, he was very gracious and welcoming and all of that and um, felt very comfortable from that point on. We get to 10T, and I see a little golf cart driving, and it's pretty obvious who that person is, and it was Jack Nicholas Jr., So, or Jack Nicholas Sr., the bear. So we go to the tee on 10, and what they make you do at the memorial media outing is they make you play a couple of tees from the tips as if this course isn't hard enough to make you understand just how hard it is for you. So that was one we played for the tips and it's forever from the tips to go over that ravine and get it to the fairway. So you got to hit drivers. The only shot I can, there's nothing else I had that would clear it, pull out the driver. Jack Nicholas is on the tee box watching us hit. I mean, that alone is terrifying. I hit the ball so far right. I swung as hard as I could, I hit the whole ball so far right that it hit the roof of a house that I was told was Jack Hannah's house. And Jack Nicholas said, well, I've never seen one hit there before. And that is how I finished my day. Uh, so it led to exhaustion, I was unnerved from there. Jack followed us for a couple of holes, took a couple of swings, played around. He was great, Junior was great. Um, but that is a moment that if people say to you, would you want to play the Memorial Tournament, would you want to play Mirfield Village with Jack Nicholas Jr., and a couple of holes with Jack Nicholas around, people would say, oh, of course I would. No, not me. Worst. Appreciative of it. Great story, great memory. Not a lot of fun for your Uncle Bo on that day. And now
2: Anthony Rothman from Rothman and Ice has a story about Jack in his undies. Wow, too many memories to even pick one. Um, All these years that I've been covering this tournament and my first day on the job in Columbus, Ohio in 1994 was covering this tournament. Nicholas was still playing. Guys like Payne Stewart and Freddie Couples. It was just a who's who. But maybe my favorite memory of all was when the memorial handpicked a few people to fly down to Jack Nicholas's house. In North Palm Beach, right on the intercoastal to interview him. And my, if my memory serves me correctly, it was probably on the, maybe the 25th anniversary of the tournament. It might have even been the 20th. But either way, we flew down there. And you go through a gate. He's in North Palm Beach. And it's not like he was answering the door. It's not like walking up to somebody's house. So we went in there, myself and my cameraman, and I can't remember who kind of escorted us out to his swimming pool. Now, the swimming pool was between the ocean and the house. And we set up on the backside of the swimming pool so you could see into the back of the house. And our interview was scheduled for probably like 9 in the morning. We got to his house at 8.30. We wanted to be set up. We did not want to be late. That's not something you want to oversleep to. I mean, they flew us down there. And so we're set up. And I'm sitting there waiting and now it's about 9.15 and I see this guy come down into the kitchen and reach up into the cupboard and pull down some Cheerios or Frosted Flakes and it's t-shirt and boxer shorts and sits down at the kitchen table and pours himself a bowl of cereal. Now you got to remember I'm about 50 yards away or 40 yards away and I looked at my cameraman I said there's no way. That's not who I think it is, right? I mean, we were supposed to do this interview like 15 minutes ago. And it's Jack, and he's pouring himself a bowl of cereal. Sitting in a t-shirt, probably some kind of with some kind of Marlin on it or whatever, and he looks out with kind of an inquisitive look, like who are these two guys at my pool? One guy's in a shirt and a tie, the other guy's sitting there with a camera. And I kind of just, I know this is going to be tough for you to to hear on the radio, but I knew it was Jack. I saw him, and I just kind of put my hand in the air and give like a one waver. And then he kind of put his hand up, gave me a wave, and then went back to eating his cereal. And I got to tell you, I looked at my photographer. I'm like, that's a moment I will never forget. And it had nothing to do with being here at Memorial, which there are a million of them. But uh, all the years I covered in television, we worked here from 8 a.m. to midnight, and we'd go into the locker room because we did our show from the locker room. And I'd always say to my friend Clay Hall, like full amenities. Like, I'm like, you want to take a shower? You want the old, the old bay rum? There's like this bay rum cologne or whatever, aftershave. But like, get a little bay rum. Like, we had full amenities here, man. It was like our butler cabin. And we we're here till midnight. It was great. We had, there were, we rented a house down the street here on Kinross. This dentist, we rented his house because we're here for the entire week. And we were, after our 6 o'clock news, we'd order food. And some people wanted one thing and some people wanted another. And we'd always have an argument. But anyway, we are waiting for the food, and I, I looked out on the front lawn, and it was one of our producers and one of our photographers in a full-blown fist fight. And I looked through the peephole, and I looked back to everybody in the house, and I said, uh, everybody, we got a situation out here. And it was two of our guys just fighting on his front lawn. It was unbelievable. So there are way too many memories to share. Uh, those are probably the ones I can, but I've had, I've had a love affair with this tournament uh, for almost 30 years. There's nothing better, and I appreciate letting or you letting me share them with you. Skip Mossick from T to Green. He's been to a few Memorial tournaments.
0: Skip, what's your favorite memories? Well, having been to every Memorial Tournament
3: except for two, there's just too many to pick a favorite, but some of my favorite memories of Muirfield Village were the lead-in and build-up to the three big international team events. The Solheim Cup in 98, President's Cup in 13, and the Ryder Cup in 1987. And unfortunately, I had to miss all three because of Ohio State football. But my favorite of the three has to be the 1987 Ryder Cup. It wasn't a good year for Team U.S captained by Jack Nicklaus that year. The past two Memorial Tournament honorees were part of Team USA in Larry Nelson and Ben Crenshaw. And I had a chance to interview both. And to this day, they both really felt horrible about how they felt they let Jack down. I mean, Nelson was a perfect 9-0 and in previous Ryder Cups, but only earned a half point here in 87, while Crenshaw was completely shut out. The U.S. lost 15-13, and those two guys specifically felt horrible about about their performance, which they wanted to win so badly for Jack Nicklaus here at his home venue. 1987 was the second consecutive Ryder Cup win for the Europeans and the first ever on U.S. soil. A team led by Seve, Faldo, Longer, Olathebel, and Woosnam. That year's Ryder Cup at Muirfield Village really started to make American golf fans pay more attention to that event that the U.S. had dominated forever. And we've seen the Ryder Cup become much bigger and better better ever since. Now, why I missed it that year? Well, Ohio State football played at LSU that weekend, September 26th, 1987, and in a rare midday game at Tiger Stadium, Ohio State and LSU played to a 10-10 tie. So, two high-profile events that weekend that saw the Buckeyes play a football game at an SEC school while the Ryder Cup was here at Muirfield Village, two non-wins for the home teams that weekend in 1987.
0: Timmy Hall from the Buckeye Show shares a memory of a media day where he got to play out at Muirfield Village.
4: All right, so one of my favorite memorial slash Muirfield Village golf club memories. I hate to do it this way because I do feel like it's such an insanely incredible perk of the job but getting to play the golf course one time a year and be members for the day. We talk about the media round that we've sort of – lucked into by having this career. That's, I got to go back a couple years to when I don't think everybody at this media round was able to start off on number one T for one thing. It was a shotgun start, and it was myself, it was Anthony Rothman, and it was Brandon Beam, so it was a nice little power crew of fan, on-air employees. And the fourth player in that group wound up being, and I had no idea it was going to be this way until the day of, it was Jack Nicklaus's son, jack jr so we play with jack jr that in itself is one of the more incredible stories but as we got off and going you know as a regular player you're so incredibly nervous to take the tee at mirrorfield village and i think i wind up having a double bogey and a triple bogey something like that to start on one and two and then by the time the the number you know number three comes around You just sort of settle down, take a deep breath, try to pop one in the fairway, which I do, and then hit a nice little approach shot over the water there, which I do. And then listening to our wonderful caddies, I take the read. I don't really believe it at first, but as I'm lining up my putt and I'm just sort of trusting the line I was given, I roll it in, and it's a 25-footer downhill or whatnot jar the putt, I get this rush of adrenaline through me that I made a birdie at Muirfield Village Golf Club, and I kind of, in a joking manner, look over to Jack Jr. and say, hey, Jack, tell your dad about that birdie next time you see him. And everybody starts busting up laughing. Everybody's cracking up. Everybody's loving that. There's this idiot that is five over par over two holes, and then he has a birdie. Wound up playing really well that day. Shoot 87, have a birdie on 14, have a birdie on 15, to have back-to-back birds on those two holes was incredible. And it was just one other example in a long line of terrific memories that you have out at this great golf course. And then uh, getting to play that a few weeks before the tournament, you get that under your belt, and then you can just sort of waltz through Tournament Week and enjoy everything that's out there. That was one of my fond memories of this place. Jonathan T-Bone Smith, not a huge golf
0: guy, but absolutely loves Tournament Week.
1: Uh, A lot of memories here at the Memorial, a lot of fun memories. I definitely remember all the times where I've gone to the media center and then seeing like, actual real media people doing their jobs, and I'm just walking in going, I'm about to talk about fart jokes for three hours. Can you print off some of my fart jokes, please? And then I see like Jack Nicholas walk by, and I'm like, this is, this is insane. None of this makes sense. Why am I here? But it's a lot of fun. I love walking around, meeting all the people. We get a ton of listeners that come out every year, so that's always a blast. So I really do love this. And even though I know nothing about golf, it's nice to not be in my element, but still meet some idiots who like our show just like me because i'm the biggest idiot
0: so thanks for listening let's hear from the friends from bishop and friends eric Reeser and then chops
5: hey guys it's eric Reeser from bishop and friends um I, if you haven't listened to any of the programs that i've done um columbus native so these kind of start to run together in terms of memorial tournament appearances uh i've been making them well i guess i should say i've been attending the memorial tournament every year since I, I couldn't remember, really. Uh, it was something that my dad would bring me out to growing up, and then in high school I would continue to go, and then even in college at OU. Uh, we were still in school, so I graduated in 2012, but even you know, in the, the weekend, uh, so after Memorial Day, it was go on vacation, then you'd come back to Columbus just to make this tournament. Um, one of the, the more memorable events for me was 2015, and really just w- whenever you know, Tiger Woods was playing, it was, of course, an event. Um, but in 2015, I, he was playing with a tight back, and I remember, because I had kind of just um, gotten into the the portion of my career where they would actually send me out to Muirfield Village, where they would actually trust me, hey Eric, go get sound, hey Eric, go conduct interviews, hey Eric, don't embarrass us. And I remember, you know, talking with, or being part of Media Scrums, It would be talking with Tiger in, uh, you know, so, days leading up to the memorial in 2015, and that it was as, It was rough for Tiger just because of that tight back. I think he got surgery on in 16. But he was the final player on the cut line after Friday. So he went in and played Saturday. Wasn't great for him. But then I remember coming in Sunday once they had announced the pairings. Tiger was the first person to go in the morning on Sunday. And he was by himself. And to think that the greatest player, uh, one of the greatest golfers of all time, one of the greatest individual athletes of all time, had fallen so far, had had so many injuries, had had so many different things that had happened to him, he was playing by himself at Jack's place. And I remember the pace in which he played because there were still thousands of people here to watch Tiger Woods. And I remember it vividly on 18 because I think that was the lowest round or the worst round of golf he'd ever played. Um, And again, there was a lot of people that thought going into Saturday, it's like, just maybe call it. Like, don't show up for Sunday. But I think the pride of Tiger made him play and I think the affinity he had for Jack and of course they've talked a lot about how glowing their relationship is and the respect Tiger has for the game and just the competitor he is but he was sprinting down 18 and I don't think you could ever found a person who loved golf as much as he did ever want to get off a golf course so bad for those listening to the sound of my voice you know how pristine 18 is you know leading up to the clubhouse and the sights and the sounds and the spectacle that it is, and you would think a guy like Tiger Woods wouldn't want to revel in that, would want to relish in that. No, he wanted to get the H-E-Double Hockey Sticks out of there, off that course, out of the clubhouse, out of Doublet, out of Ohio, as quick as he could. And I will just never forget, because he was still Man in Black Tiger, on those Sunday mornings, that black shirt, or that uh, red shirt, black shorts, sprinting down a fairway on eighteen will forever stick in my mind. And it's good to see that he's been able to win some majors since then, and he's corrected things. And hopefully, you listening to me, we get a little bit more Tiger in years to come out here at Jack's Place.
6: Hey, it's Chops here. And my biggest memory of the memorial before I worked at the fan was I was working at UDF on campus, right there on 12th and High, across the street from the student union at Ohio State. And it was this weekend in probably 2013, and 2014, maybe doesn't matter. And I'm sitting there and there are people coming in sunburn, golf shirts. They're all coming in start around like four or five o'clock until about seven, eight o'clock. And I'm like, what? why are all these people looking the same? And eventually, somebody I knew was in and they had the, the same get up. I was like, where are you coming from? And they said, Oh, the, the golf tournament. And that was like really the first time I had seen how big of a deal the memorial was. And then over the years I learned more about it. And then so lucky to work here at the fan. Had a chance to get out here to do some leaderboard updates. One of the first few years I was here. And that was the first time I experienced the course and, and saw firsthand exactly how, how big this was. And then last year I was so excited to finally get out there and host the show and do the show with Bo and Reese. And just to see everything around it and how big of a deal it is for people and finally get able, get able to walk the course. I have a buddy who was out here. He showed me around. I'd never been to a golf tournament, but I got to tell you after experiencing it here at Mirfield and maybe it spoiled it for me, maybe another one wouldn't be as great, but I have loved coming out here. It is now my favorite thing we do every year. I've been on campus for game days. We've, we've been out there for blue jacket stuff. This is the best thing to do that we do in, in our broadcasting jobs because once you're done with the show, you're here. You're on the grounds. You can go walk the course. You can go see Rory McIlroy tee off. I'm probably going to do that today. See him tee off around 1253 to get all of that stuff going and to be able to see this course in all its majesty. The place that Jack built something I'm super grateful for and I love it and I can't wait to come out for years to come.
0: Matty Ice has a Tiger Woods story from Field Village.
7: So it's Matty Ice and I'm here to give you one of my favorite memorial experiences at Jack's Place. It was a handful of years ago. I was out here with Brandon Beam, you may know him, one of the hosts on the Morning Juice from 6 to 9 on the fan. And we did the full experience. I came out, went to the range, got to see some of the big boys letting the driver fly, which is absolutely special. But my favorite golfer of all time was here. Tiger Woods was in the building. And I walked the entire course and followed Tiger for the entire day. And if you're a golf fan, seeing something like that is something you'll never forget. All the crowds going hole to hole and just following Tiger, leaving all the other golfers, which made me feel bad for them. But Tiger is Tiger, as we all know. And just that experience was cool to see because it pains me now to watch my guy go out the way that he is. But to be here at Jack's place when we're talking two guys that we look at as the best to ever do it to be at Jack in Jack's house and to watch the other guy in Tiger Woods do his thing for an entire afternoon is something I'll never forget and it's just always a good time out here at the memorial
0: let's hear now from sticker Brad with a media center story and then Jen Winters who's new to the
8: memorial tournament all right, everybody, uh, this is Sticker Brad, not Stupid Brad. I'm out here at the memorial. This is my final memorial. That's right. I am leaving um, after a nice, what, six, seven-year career here. It's been a hell of a run. But uh, last year at the memorial, uh, Eric Reeser and I, you know, after a long, long day of broadcast, we went into the media center and there was, a, there was a mini fridge with complimentary beer from Mark Leishman. And it said, there was a sign on it that said, beer cannot leave the media center. So Eric and I were like, well, that's pretty cool. Let's have one. So we get one, we open it up in the media center. We look around, there's nowhere to sit. So we just kind of go to like the, the private booths and this lady just keeps looking at us. And we're like, uh-oh. She walks over to us and she's like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, well, we're drinking the beer. She's like, are "You, do you guys work here? Do you, Are you guys media members? We're like, well, yeah. Like it said, don't leave the media center with it. And she was like, you're not supposed to be doing that. We're like, well, where are we supposed to go? And after a little run around, they made us go downstairs and drink it down there. But the sign says it wasn't allowed to leave that room. So the whole time we were so confused. And we're lucky that we didn't get banned from the Media Center for Life.
9: So this is my first time officially part of the media at the uh, the memorial. I've been here before, a long time ago, at the other radio station I worked at. But we didn't have this really cool access. We were on the 10th hole, I think, uh, in a garage. And we broadcast to the cul-de-sac, basically. So um, really, nobody knew that we were even there. So to be here right now... And to see all of these people to go over to the the putting green and watch people like I just saw Justin Sue. He just finished. He's two under, um, and he was chipping away. And I'm just like, this is the coolest thing ever. And then, um, I mean, free food and free drinks. Are you kidding me? That's so awesome. Um, and and I got to meet Bo Bishop and Bobby Carpenter and all these awesome people that I've been listening to for years. And um, I freaked out because Jared Smalley was downstairs and I was like, hey, like he knew who I was. He didn't. He just smiled and walked away and I was like, okay, we got to tone it down. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to broadcast, even though it's with Tito, it'll still be a fun time. And I can't wait because maybe next year, if I'm back again, I might actually have like a cool story other than just the fact that, hey, Jen's a golf dork. She's freaking out and she's having a lot of fun.
0: So many stories. All right, let's wrap it up. I'll wrap it up with a nice little parlay of stories. Scotty Vegas here. I'm going to parlay my three favorite memorial tournament experiences I've had for you real quick, and I'll give you six to one odds on the parlay. <laughs> start out with the opportunity in 2020, Anthony Rothman and I, uh, had where we were on the grounds for the tournament when no one else could be. We were lucky enough uh, to host a couple shows and then walk around and follow Tiger, Rory, and Speeth as the only people on the holes. It was an experience really no other sports fan could really ever get during the pandemic, us being out there. Uh, as one of the few media members and and fans uh, allowed on the course. Uh, Second leg of the parlay, I'll tell you about one of my biggest betting wins was the year John Rahm had to withdraw from the tournament after round three, had a humongous lead, and I had Patrick Cantlay at 50-1. to He goes out, Rahm does, and then Cantlay, who was way back, had no chance, ends up winning, and that ended up being one of my bigger betting wins. Um, last leg of the parlay of stories is getting the unbelievable opportunity to play Muirfield village as a media member the last couple years. First time I was so intimidated. I could barely swing the club on the first tee. You got caddies watching you. You got everybody at the first tee watching. Uh, then we played, uh, this year. And I played about as well as I could ever play. I My goal was to break 100. I shot 96. Almost took a, a ball to the dome from Brandon Beam out of a bunker shot. Uh, but uh, an incredible, incredible opportunity. I'll always be thankful for. There you go. That's my parlay of stories. Really could have made it a six-way parlay. Uh, but there you go. Did you make it all the way through? If you did, Congrats. Thanks so much for listening to the fan stories out at Muirfield Village. We can't wait to be back next year, next June.